when you're in a war, you don't care about the color, class, or culture of the man fighting next to you as long as he's shooting in the same direction you are. Dr. Tony Evans says it's time for Christians to realize we're involved in a spiritual battle and we need to fight as a team. God's Spirit will only work in an environment of harmony and unity. And until we become that kind of people, nothing else will work. This is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. There's something in the news almost every day reminding us that it's past time to face up to some biblical facts about racism. So that's what we've got in store for today. Dr. Evans, tell us a little bit about where we'll start. Well, Dave, it's become evident that the racial tension in our nation is spreading like wildfire or manifesting itself in a very challenging way. And everybody has a view on it. Everybody has a perspective. I wanted to give God's view on race and racism because, you know, he has not stuttered on this subject. He is very clear that his standard is to judge our human relationships, not our standard, because our standards get warped. It gets warped by sometimes how we were raised. It gets warped by the influences that have been in our lives. But God wants to be the dominant influencer since he created the races. He created them on purpose and he acts as judge when we take a role regarding other people that is outside of his standard. So I want to give his standard, communicate his standard, clarify his standard so that we can begin adjusting ourselves to his standard and not trying to get him to adjust himself to us. Hmm. Yeah, that's an important distinction we should always keep in mind. Well, let's get started now and listen into a special message you've titled The Sin of Racism delivered to a very responsive crowd at a live rally. You know, Texas is a big state and everything grows big in Texas, so it's real easy to become prideful. And I don't want to be like the, the Texas rancher who went over to Europe and he ran into the, uh, a farmer over there and he wanted to brag kind of about how big his ranch was. So he asked the farmer how big his farm was so he could make the comparison. Of course, the German only had a tiny, tiny farm. Well, the Texas rancher said, well, let me tell you how it is where I come from. He says, I can get up early in the morning and get in my pickup before the sun rises. And when the sun sets, I still haven't gotten to the end of my property. German farmer said, yeah, I used to have a truck like that once. So... Got to stay humble. There's a mad person in history called the devil. And he's come on territory he did not create and does not own. And he has brought with him death and disease and destruction. But God built a coalition made up of black people and white people and red people and yellow people, inner city people, and suburbanites. It's been made up of Protestants of of all hue and color and all background. And he has formed this coalition called the church to serve notice on this madman that not only can he not have any more territory, he must now give up the territory he lays claim to. If you name the name of Jesus Christ, you have access to high-tech weaponry. You've got the power of God. 
You've got the person of Christ. You've got the presence of the Spirit. You've got the authority of the Word. But the question is still unanswered. Does this stuff work? Because on one hand, we say when we're together, we've got all of this power. But somehow, when we go to war together, we're not the one people of God drawing the one line in the sand to serve notice against our common enemy. No more, Satan. No more. You can have no more territory. Satan has done a yeoman's job in splitting up the people of God along racial, class, and cultural lines. He's done a magnificent job of keeping us from being the one people of God. And as a result, men, we haven't seen the revival in this country everyone's praying for. For God will not bring a revival to part of his church. He won't bring a white revival or a black revival or a Hispanic revival or an Asian revival. He's only going to bring a Holy Ghost revival. And that means we've got to be the one people of God. But he has split up the coalition. He gets us talking about unity on Sunday and then leaving from our churches or meetings like this, going back to our segregated neighborhoods, having been at our segregated churches with our segregated mentalities, forgetting that we're only a part of the body of Christ. And until we're willing to be the one people of God publicly, this is like a huddle in a football game. 65,000 people don't pay to watch their team huddle. What they want to know is, what difference does the huddle make? What they want to know is, having huddled, can you now score? What they want to know is, is the play you called in private workable in public? What they want to know is, is that play you called with 11 men in a circle able to overcome 11 other men who are daring you to go public with your private play? It's easy to be a Christian here today. There's no competition in the house. But the test of your faith is what you do when you break huddle and go public for Jesus Christ. That is the test. When the Atlanta Falcons take this field, there are black people on the team and white people on the team, but they all wear the team colors. And what they must do is subject whatever their humanity is to the bigger agenda of the game on the field until we're willing to subject what God has made us into being the people of God we will never see what God can do in our culture and in our country if people would take seriously what it means to be the one people of God you know the Bible says that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour Lions don't roar when they're getting ready to kill their prey. Lions sneak up on their prey. Lions only roar after they kill their prey. And the reason why is because lions rule by intimidation. You see, lions are terrified of hyenas and jackals who travel in packs of five and ten and are scavengers. And so, in order to scare them off, the lion will roar over the deer he's killed to keep the jackals and hyenas from coming and taking over the carcass. The jackals and hyenas are so terrified by the roar of the lion that they back up and don't bother to come and take over the carcass. 
if those hyenas and jackals only knew that all they had to do was show up, if they would simply just keep on coming in spite of the roar, in spite of the loud noise, if they would just keep on coming, the lion would gladly give up the carcass rather than tangle with five or ten jackals or hyenas. Satan has got a big mouth. He's got such a big mouth, he's intimidated us. Oh, but if we only knew, if all we just did was keep on coming, if we just came as the one people of God, he'd have to give us back our cities, give us back our communities, and give us back our families because we stopped letting him intimidate us. When you're in a war, you don't care about the color, class, or culture of the man fighting next to you as long as he's shooting in the same direction you are. That's the only issue in a war. And the only thing that matters is whether the man next to you loves Jesus like you do. And if he loves Jesus like you do, color should not matter. We may have all come over here on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. So it's time for us to be the one people of God. It's amazing that we have failed to see that until we become the one people of God, until we become a unified church, until being Christian is more important than the color and race and class that you are a part of, forget the revival, forget the cultural transformation, and get ready to hand this over to Satan because God's spirit will only work in an environment of harmony and unity. And until we become that kind of people, nothing else will work. Some of you are looking to politics to get us out of this mess. Well, I'm here to submit to you today that God doesn't ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. That God is not here to satisfy the politics of men. It's like the story in Joshua 5. Joshua was getting ready to go into battle. This huge man came along dressed in battle array. Joshua said, whose side are you on? Because if you're on our side, we got an extra army to help us. But if you're on their side, I've got to think again about even going into battle. The man looked at him and said, you're thoroughly confused, Joshua. You are thoroughly confused. I am the captain of the Lord's army. I did not come to take sides. I come to take over. God has come to take over. He has not come to take sides. He has not come to be limited to the agenda of men. God is establishing his own kingdom made up of his own people. And if those people can't come together, God is not going to let his kids embarrass his character. What would you do? What would you do if people were living in adultery in your church? You wouldn't wait 250 years to get it right. What would you do with people having poor business ethics in the church? You wouldn't take 250 years to get it right. What would you do if people adopted gay lifestyles in the church? You wouldn't say, well, let's give them a few hundred years they were raised this way. You would say, I can't help you until you're willing to call sin, sin. And if adultery sin and the gay lifestyle is sin and bad business ethics is sin, racism is sin, classism is sin, culturalism is sin, and it's nothing but sin. We've got to call it what it is. In a few moments, we'll have more from Dr. Evans on how mixed up our spiritual values can be when it comes to the subject of race. 
Right now, though, I want to urge you to follow up on what we've been hearing by requesting a copy of his current message compilation, Faith, Hope, Unity. This tribute to Black History Month explains how to dig up the root of personal prejudice, build healthy, authentic relationships with other believers, and set an example for the world of what real community looks like. We're making it available as a thank you gift to anyone who comes alongside our ministry with a financial contribution. And as an added way of saying thanks, we'll even include a copy of Tony's insightful new book entitled A Survey of the Black Church in America, exploring its history, ministry, and unique strengths. Don't put it off. This special offer ends soon. And the sooner we the church can grasp unity and build a strong community of believers, the better our world will become. Drop by TonyEvans.org today for all the details, or let one of our team members help you when you call one 800 800 Our resource center is open 24-7, so there's no need to wait. Again, 1-800-800-3222. We'll return to Dr. Evans' presentation right after this. This November, set your sails for spiritual renewal and spectacular adventure. Join Dr. Tony Evans on an exclusive cruise of the Mexican Riviera. You'll immerse yourself in Dr. Evans' sermons, explore coastal treasures, and renew your passion for the Word of God. From Cabo San Lucas to Puerto Vallarta, experience the ultimate voyage of faith and discovery. Don't miss the boat on this once-in-a-lifetime journey. Book your passage today at TonyEvans.org. Enjoy and explore. I like the story in Galatians 2. You know, Peter, Peter was kosher. He wouldn't eat anything that was outside of the Jewish diet. But one day while having devotions in Acts 10, a sheep came down with all manner of animals on it. God told him, now you can eat anything. Now, Peter always wanted to know what chitlins tasted like. He always wanted to sink his teeth into some nice smothered pork chops. But he couldn't do it. His religion wouldn't let him. But now God freed him up to eat what the Gentiles eat. So in Galatians chapter 2, he takes a trip to the soul shack on the other side of the tracks. In Galatians chapter 2, he's eating with the Gentiles. I can see Peter now sucking on them neck bones. Slurping down those hog malls. He's having a grand old time. He took some other Jews with him. And it says in Galatians 2 that they were eating, uh, fellowshipping with the people that they used to hate because of what the gospel said. Finally, Peter had gotten out of his racism. Only one problem. Some of his boys from the hood showed up. Some of the Jews from James came and saw their fearless leader, Peter, fraternizing with the Gentiles. Now, they were saved Gentiles, but still they were different than we are. And we'll go to heaven with them, Peter, but we shouldn't be fellowshipping with them on earth. We're going to live with them in eternity, Peter, but let's wait for the coming of Christ to fix that. Let them stay over there and we'll stay over here. The Bible says when Peter was intimidated, according to Galatians chapter 2, it says, verse 12, that Peter withdrew and held himself aloof, fearing his Jewish brethren, so that the other Jews who went with him withdrew with him, 
fearing the Jewish brethren. Listen, Peter was the leader. He was supposed to set the pace, but he got so intimidated by his own race, he let racism determine his biblical ethics and biblical conduct. He let what his brothers of the flesh thought control what the fruit of the spirit teaches. And one of the problems we have is that our pulpits have not dealt with this issue. And a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. If our pastors are not willing to come clean on this issue, if they want to skip this issue as though the Bible doesn't teach it, that's sin. And it's the failure of the church to deal with this issue that has led to the division that we now face today. I and my family were living here in Atlanta. We went to a white church that I will leave unnamed. When we went to the church, the deacons let us know this is a fundamental Bible teaching, Bible preaching, inerrant, Holy Ghost believing church. I'm talking Schofield reference Bible. This was a church that believed it from kibber to kibber, pillar to post. But the deacons told me and my wife, we were not welcome here. That while we could believe in their God, we could not worship at their church. And the church voted. And the church decided that it would be the stance of the church that blacks could not attend that church. That happened to me. And I understood like never before on that day why many of my brothers are angry. And I understood like never before on that day why they say they'll say one thing out of their mouth, but they really won't live this Christianity that they preach about. And I was tempted to become bitter. I was tempted during that era to go on another track, to follow my brothers who believed that we had to approach this another way. But because of righteous influences in my life, I held on to the truth of the word of God. That church called me up last year and they said even though it's been 15 or 20 years since that event happened, our church wants to let you know that we have sinned, we apologize, and would you come back and preach for us? It's time that we change it in our churches. It's time that we do it. And so Peter, Peter withdrew. The rest of the Jews withdrew with him. It says in verse 13 that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Not my boy Barney. Anybody but Barney. Barney's the son of encouragement. He's the one who grew up in Cyprus, a Gentile island. He grew up with the other side. He lived with them. He played ball with them. He went to school with them. But that's how racism is. When you get around your own people, if they can make you feel uncomfortable enough, they can make you give up even the relationships you know are solid. And they would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for one thing. Paul showed up for some neck bones too. According to Galatians 2, Paul says, And when I saw what Cephas and the others did, verse 11, he says, I opposed them to their face because they stood condemned. Paul didn't have a workshop on race relations. He didn't have a sensitivity session. He didn't have a, uh, I'm okay, you okay discussion. 
He said, Peter, it's sin. It was sin. It is sin. It will ever be sin. So you are acting sinful and you know better than that. We need some brothers and sisters in Christ today who are willing to say to their other brothers and sisters, that attitude is sin. That action is wrong and you must repent before a holy God. That's what we need today. God has spoken and he has not started on the matter. There are two answers to every question. God's answer and everybody else and everybody else is wrong. I did not have to go through trauma about it. I know what some of you are saying. I know we're in the South. And I know some of you are going to say what somebody would have said to Peter. He was raised this way. He couldn't help it. His mother was like this. His father was like this. His grandparents were like this. How do you expect this man to change overnight? Jesus says, if you would be my disciple, you must hate your mother and hate your father and hate your sister and hate your brother and if necessary, hate your own life that you might be my disciple. And we need a group who are willing to say, if that means that I lose my friendships, it won't matter because I'm only concerned about what Jesus is going to call me. That's what we need to That's the kind of radical Christianity now, now don't misunderstand me don't misunderstand me and I am not asking that you give up your culture I am not asking white people to become black and God is not asking black people to become white God has created all of this variety because he likes variety and he wants it this way black is only beautiful if it's biblical and white is only right if it agrees with holy writ. There is a standard that governs who we are and unless that standard overrules what our families have taught us, unless that standard overrules what our community has taught us, unless the biblical standard rules, then we're going to be in this chaos and never see revival. God is not asking you to like soul music and he's not asking me to like country and western, thank God. But he's asking all of us to love him more than we love our race, our culture, or our class. It means Jesus Christ must always be the defining adjective of your life so that if anything conforms, it is your culture conforming to Christ, not Christ conforming to your culture. And that is what God is asking for today. He's asking for men who will go out and say, I will not live the rest of my life never having built an intimate bond with another part of the body of Christ who's different than me. And it's got to start with us. Dr. Tony Evans, pointing out the mandate for all brothers and sisters in Christ to join forces to make a real difference for our world. Another practical step you can take is to pass this message series on to your friends, your family, and your church leaders. It's available on both CD and downloadable MP3s. Just visit TonyEvans.org, where you'll find a link on the homepage for this collection called Faith, Hope, Unity, a tribute to Black History Month. 
Along with the audio messages, we're also including a copy of Tony's fascinating new book, A Survey of the Black Church in America. This special package is available for a limited time as our gift when you make a donation to help support the work of The Urban Alternative. Again, the details are waiting for you at TonyEvans.org. Or let one of our team members help you by calling us day or night at 1-800-800-3222. Once again, that's online at TonyEvans.org or by phone at 1-800-800-3222. Well, be sure to join us tomorrow for the conclusion to Dr. Evans' powerful address uncovering the error of how we treat each other and what we can do about it. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative and is made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you.